streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated podcast, presented by BearsIllustrated.com. Your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pranay Malampati, alongside Andrew Miner. And we're just minutes removed from Baylor's week six or Baylor's week seven loss to West Virginia on the road, falling to 0-6 all time in Morgantown and falling to a 3-3 and record for the season. Not at all where I expected Baylor to be six games into the season and not where most college football pundits or analysts expected Baylor to be six games into the season. Baylor lost 43-40. to So the offense was there, but the defense struggled a lot. They couldn't tackle well. They weren't able to cover well. The chemistry wasn't there on defense and and the defensive line who was supposed to be so good this year wasn't able to shed blocks for the most part and Blake Shapin went down with a head injury in the second half on a late hit where the defender hit him in the head and was ejected for a targeting call while Blake Shapin was sliding but while the defender was ejected for targeting Blake Shapin, that it doesn't reverse the injury that Blake Shapin suffered, and he he didn't play the rest of the game. He he, I would think he has a concussion or something similar to a concussion. Kyron Drones came in for the rest of the rest of the game and and played solid, except for a really bad pick that was negated by a JT Daniels pick immediately after. But the defense just could not hold on, and and Baylor Baylor falls to three and three. Andrew, what what are your thoughts about this loss? Oh, Prene, it was just a miserable, miserable all round failure at every single level um, type game for Baylor. Uh, they had the bye week to reverse issues and. While I think we saw some uh, issues fixed and corrected on the offensive side, uh, Richard Reese was getting north-south instead of going east-west. Uh, Gavin Holmes made catch after unbelievable catch, right? Um, after after basically the entire Baylor Nation fan base scapegoated him uh, for the Oklahoma State loss with his drops. Um, you know, there, the, those things were corrected. Blake Shaven was looking uh, to be on pace for a – uh, a record game before his injury, uh, but but it was ultimately a failure at every level from the time that Baylor came out and took the field uh, by starting slow with a lack of energy. A lot of people commented on that uh, on Twitter, which you can overcome that. You can kind of get the nerves on the road Thursday night, prime time. Uh, I understand that. Uh, but, but when we look at it, again, it's special teams, it's coaching, decision-making, it's defense, being as holy as Swiss cheese and not being able to stop anybody. And for the second straight game for Baylor, the game comes down to literally a two point play 
um, that that either swings the momentum or uh, and puts you know the opposition so far ahead, or just keeps the game uh, just out of reach for Baylor. Of course, Oklahoma State had that early safety when the Pokes pinned the Bears at the two yard line. They go with the toss sweep uh, and get stuffed eight yards deep in the end zone, and then uh, tonight <clears throat> going up. 37 to 31 in a game back and forth. Neither defense can get, get a stop at all. I think there were like three punts in total this game. Um, and they go for the PAT. Uh, Devante, uh, or Dante Stills just goes turnstile through the snapper. Uh, snapper kind of just turns, lets him in, pushes him through to make sure that he gets the block. Uh, scoop and score for two points. Instead of 38-31, it's 37-33. And, uh, you know, instead of West Virginia trying to find the end zone uh, to win the game at the end with 30 seconds left uh, or, or to kick a field goal to force overtime with that much time left, uh, they're going in, playing conservative to make sure that they get the three points tucked away uh, for their eventual 43-40 to 40 victory. Uh, but, but again, I, it's the second straight uh, game where a two-point play has swung the momentum and ultimately determined it for the Bears and against the the worst team in the Big 12. I think a lot of people agreed that it was either West Virginia or Oklahoma as the worst teams in the Big 12 uh, coming into this week. Worst team in the Big 12, Thursday night game. You, it's a, it was a must win for Baylor, and they completely failed um, to pass the sniff test at, at every single level. Uh, unfortunate about Shapin, but you know Baylor just wasn't playing playing good football again. Yeah, and I don't think that Blake Shapin having played the entire game would have changed the outcome. Um, Kyron Jones was able to help drive the team down the field multiple times. He was making good passes, um, making very accurate passes, 15, 20 yards down the field. And the one bad pick that he had, he it was negated because JT Daniels a few plays later threw a pick right back to Baylor and Baylor was able to go and, and score a touchdown. And like you said, they got the extra point blocked. West Virginia returns it for two points and that three point swing. That was the difference in this game. It, it likely would have gone to overtime otherwise, or at least West Virginia would have been forced to score a touchdown on that final possession if they wanted to win. Yeah. Uh, I who knows? Who knows how it would have turned out with the injury and everything like that. Um, I, but but we saw uh, Kyron Jones come in, and West Virginia couldn't stop him either, uh, right? So neither neither team was stopping either team. And thank goodness Dylan Doyle picked off uh, JT Daniels there, uh, basically immediately after the drones interception, which I think he was trying to throw to throw the ball away. I, I didn't think he was trying to make something happen. I could be wrong, but it looked like he was trying to throw it away, knowing that he was going to take a sack and that he couldn't take a sack. Uh, but he was wrapped up and just couldn't get the arm strength to, you know, toss it deep enough or or far far enough out, outside uh, to go out of bounds. Um, well, I think that I think that was the mistake though, because he could have taken a sack. I think they still would have been fine. Yeah, it was. Correct. I don't. I don't think it was a, a third down situation, and they they still would have been in field goal range. Um, but that's that's what comes with inexperience. Kyron Jones Correct. hasn't played this season, so obviously he's 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 gonna have those moments where he he has lapses in judgment, and, and he had a lapse in judgment at the end of the game as well. Yep, because he he ended up 
falling to the ground around the 40-yard line or midfield with zeros on the clock at the end instead of at least tossing it back or, or trying to make something something happen. Um, but that's that's what happens when you have a young guy after an injury like that to a quarterback like Blake Shapin. Um, but so you said earlier that it's the second straight week where a two-point play or a two-point swing has changed the momentum of the game. And it's also the third straight week where Baylor's defense has looked like Swiss cheese, as you so so perfectly described earlier <laughs> in the segment. They allow 43 points to West Virginia this week. They allowed 36 to Oklahoma State last week, who admittedly has a very good offense and a very, sure. very good scoring offense. But they nonetheless allowed 36 points to them, and then they allowed – 24 points to Iowa State, who after that in back-to-back weeks has scored a grand total of 20 points against Kansas and Kansas State combined. So Baylor's defense has looked bad for a few weeks now, and they simply don't have chemistry. Tackling is one thing, and I don't, I, I, I can't really explain why they don't have the ability to tackle at this point because they were a great tackling team last year. And, I mean, Dave Aranda is a linebacker's coach. They have a great defensive coordinator in Ron Roberts. They have they have great coaches. And tackling is, is probably, in my opinion, the most important aspect of being a defensive player because you have to tackle the person to, to stop the play. But they also just don't have chemistry. They they It seems like they – I don't know whether it's a lack of communication or just a lack of experience – and playing with each other in the positions that they're playing, but it seems like they're not in the right spot at the right time based on where their teammates are. Um, receivers are getting open. They're getting beat in one-on-one coverage frequently. Uh, yeah, like the defense just isn't very good. And when you have, when you have a defensive coach like Dave Aranda and a great defensive coordinator like Ron Roberts, it's it's simply mind-boggling why that's the case. Yeah, they, they, they've quite simply fallen off a cliff, and it's really hard to pinpoint or understand why. Uh, you know, even at BYU, right, they were able to hold the Cougars to uh, 26 points under 100 yards rushing. Um, they were able to hold the Cyclones on the road again under 100 yards rushing and, you know, really – Right, you know, Iowa State got that, you know, kind of fluky touchdown with the fumble and he recovered it in time and everything like that. And then they tacked on a field goal with less than a minute to play. Um, And then Oklahoma State is good, right? Good offense. They're top 10 team here in the nation. And, uh, but but to go out to Morgantown, and Morgantown's a tough place to play. West Virginia has looked better than their record indicates, right? I think you and I would both agree Upon that, it should be Pitt. They probably um, should have found a way to beat Kansas, or at least could have found a way to beat Kansas in their overtime loss there. And but I don't think we were expecting the Mountaineers to hang forty-three points on the Bears. Are you kidding me? Give me a break! What what are we doing off a of bye week in a must-win Thursday night game? It's just incredulous that Baylor went out there and just laid a massive egg in such an important important game. Um, you know, it, it, it's just really, really unfortunate. Now they're just going to be fighting uphill the the rest of the season, uh, trying to make a bowl game. And it's interesting, 
Um, because we, we've had this on, on the last podcast. Uh, actually, maybe that's the lost podcast. I'm not sure if we posted that um, of, of, of how Kansas State, Kansas, TCU, like kind of the non-traditional Big 12 powers are good and we still, Baylor gets to host them later on. Um, and, and we've kind of had off conversation, you know, conversations off the air and I've had conversations with others about like, who's the worst team in the Big 12? Gosh, it might be Baylor. You know, it might be Baylor at this rate if they don't figure out a way to stop on defense uh, to, to figure it out and get some stops um, and just to play better overall, because really they're just beating themselves. Baylor only had two punts all night. Um, so they really only stopped themselves with the phantom fumble by Shapin, the, the forced interception by, by drones. Uh, and then the, you know, the block PAT, you know, they're just shooting themselves in the foot and that's why they're losing the games. Um, you know, if, if this was a more, mature team as coach Orlando would like to say like you know maybe, maybe they put string some of these plays together and uh you know maybe they're maybe they're six now but they're not they're th- they're three and three now they have to wit you know just kind of i don't want to say wallow but i'll just say you know wallow or sit on that through what's going to be an incredible weekend of college football <laughs> This, this weekend, uh, and they should have been enjoying watching those games and kind of getting hyped and focused on, you know, what's next. And now it might be hard uh, for, again, a team that Coach Randa has described as immature to, to regroup and regain that focus for, for, you know, these teams down the road with maybe less at stake in terms of championship aspirations. Um, I don't know, Pranay, what do you think about the whole, mat- you know, immaturity uh, deal how 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 much you know how much do you think that plays into this this team so far this season I'm not gonna go so far as to say that this team is immature I I don't think I'm in the position to say that I haven't interacted with these players I haven't seen them at practice I haven't seen them on the sideline in the locker room um, observed what they've done what they do on a daily day-to-day basis how much they care about playing how much they care about putting in the effort and getting better as players and and growing closer as a team and going out there and giving it all for, for their teammates and for the Baylor students and for the Baylor alumni and the university, their coaches. But I'm also not going to say that Dave Aranda doesn't know what he's talking about when he calls the team immature He's the one that is around them watching what they do. And I don't, I don't necessarily think saying they're immature is a knock against their character or against how much they care. I think it's simply saying that they're playing immature football. A lot of it is because certain key players don't have much experience like Lorando Johnson in the secondary. He did not look good tonight. Um, I still think he's a very talented player, but he simply doesn't have the experience that, that he needs to maybe be on the same page with his teammates and and there's other guys. And also um, there is evidence of Baylor playing immature football in recent weeks. We've mentioned previously that Baylor is not very good or has not been very good on defense at 
in two minute situations, they've allowed a lot of end of half or end of game drives and, and touchdowns or, or scores. It happened again, obviously, tonight with the the West Virginia Mountaineers driving down at the end of the game and kicking a field goal with under forty five seconds left in the in the ball game to ultimately win the game. Um those those plays at the fringes of the game, like those special teams plays, the the kick return, I mean, the, the, the kick block return for two points, obviously the special teams touchdown that we gave up against Oklahoma State last week, the, what was it, a strip six today. Just there, there's plays, there's plays at the fringes, like those plays that ultimately decide how the momentum swings. Baylor's seem, Baylor seems to have been on the wrong side of most of, if not all of those situations this season. And, and that probably speaks to some level of immaturity. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, you, you, very political answer, Pranay, very, very political. You want to be a politician? <laughs> I think, I think that's, that's great. Yeah. That's a great soundbite for you right there. Um, <laughs> I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, we're just using what Coach Aranda is telling us in, in, you know, in his press conferences and things like that. And, and I, I think you can be immature without that reflecting the, you know, your character of like, you know, being a, a, a good person type thing, because that's another big mantra of Coach Aranda's, right? Person over player um, type, type deal. But yeah, I, I think you summed it up perfectly. You know, just some immature football plays, and and I, you know, I'm not I'm not a coach, I'm not a football, um, you know, coach type thing. But I wonder how much that uh, of that has to do with coaching, right? Um, uh, in terms of you know setting your team up for success. For example, for I'll give you an example, right? Let's focus on the two point plays because I firmly believe those were the key momentum swings in, in each contest, right? Um, in Oklahoma state, the safety kept everything dead and just dull basically for Baylor. And tonight it made it a four point game instead of a seven point game. And I immediately said, you know, this, this has just turned into whoever has the ball last is going to, um, is going to win type deal. And sure enough, West Virginia did, but for example, I think the the toss sweep in the end zone against Oklahoma State, like that's a that's not failed execution. That that's a that's a coaching problem that needs to be addressed. Like you can't you just can't call that in that in that situation um, because there's too much. You know the risk reward is not is not there type thing, right? Versus the blocked PAT return for two points tonight. That that's on the players. That's not you know giving your your all on every single play that's just a simple point after attempt it has to be done properly you know every every time and it's how you do the little things the mundane things um that that reflect that affect um the bigger things and reflect your focus right uh so you know obviously Baylor didn't do that right it may not seem like a big deal but then all of a sudden it compounds and turns into a scoop and score for two. And then that affects, you know, how the last final minutes of the game is played you, with Baylor 
you know, ultimately then playing from behind and then kicking a field goal and then Virginia, West Virginia only needing a field goal to win. And that's, that's a player mentality, right? Like you can only do so much from a coaching perspective to say like, Hey, every single time you go out and, and do this, you have to do it the right way. That's, that's team leadership within each other. Um, you know, saying like, Hey, this is just a extra point, but we got to do it the right way. We got to do it proper. We have to do it correct because this could make the difference. And I don't think you have to go, much farther than to just flip on the NFL and listen to Justin Tucker's interview with the, uh, for the Baltimore Ravens about how he and, and his team work and focus on executing kicks. They treat every kick like a game winning kick. Baylor didn't tonight. It cost him the game. Simple as that. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA champions league 24 seven. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned the word focus there. Um, focus might be the biggest thing that Dave Rand is talking about when he mentions immaturity because it, it does seem like Baylor has some level of a lack of focus both on offense and defense more so obviously on the defensive side but even that toss play against Oklahoma State I totally agree that that was not the play to go to in that situation but we have to admit that the offensive line got absolutely burned from left tackle to right tackle all the way through. Everybody just got absolutely beat off the line of scrimmage. And if you don't have that happen, then even with the toss play, you probably don't have a safety there. So I think there's a bit of, there's definitely, coaching is definitely a factor in the full, when you look at the full picture, but uh, it's it's also definitely there there's got to be better execution um especially on the defensive side of the football but any any thoughts on the bears quarterback situation moving forward how do you think drones will fare if, if shapen's not able to play uh i think he'll i think he'll be fine i think you'll see some of those um freshman youthful mistakes just like we've kind of seen um you know, we, we've seen a few of that from, from Shapin, but that's, that's like kind of speaks to, I think, Shapin's greatness and why he was chosen again to be the starter because we haven't seen too many like cracks uh, of where he's just, you know, made those kind of head scratching plays. Right. So I, I think drones looked really good tonight. Again, I think he was, I think anybody you could have stuck you uh, or I out there behind center and we would have looked amazing. Um, to be honest with you, but I, I I think if drones has to like he'll be fine. But it looked like uh, you know Shapin should be should be good to go. He did take a Tua type um, type hit, so that's definitely something you don't want to rush and come back from. I think the good thing is it's a Thursday, so he has an extra amount of time to to recover and you know just have to put your faith in the in the doctors to help him do that. Um, 
but I think either, you know, I, I think ultimately Baylor will be fine on, on offense. I think at this point it's really the, um, and they've kind of been fine on offense all, all, all season. I think at this point it's, it's the defense, you know, it's situational defense at end of half, end of game. It's, you know, not allowing a bazillion points um, each game. And then it's just like not shooting yourself in the foot with on special teams on just, you know, losing the ball, holding it, you know, shape and holding it like a lunchbox hits his, hits his knee, fumble, scoop and score. Right. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not too concerned about that. And I think shape will be fine. It, it's very reminiscent of, um, of the RG three concussion, uh, when in 2011 that he took against Texas tech, right. He took a big hit near the goal line, his head bounced off the turf at Cowboy stadium. Uh, he played the next week against Texas and, um, and obviously won the Heisman. So we'll, we'll see, hopefully, um, hopefully that's something he can recover from, but obviously hopefully, uh, he's all right. Um, I also just wanted to give another shout out to, to Gavin Holmes because, you know, the, I mean, what, what a lot of moxie, right? I mean, we talk about, you know, maturity, immaturity, but a lot of, a lot of, what a bunch of moxie and leadership from, from the six year wide receiver who, who was not a starting receiver, you know, um, you know, started third string on the depth chart, I believe. Right. And he had three drops against Oklahoma state, one on the first drive of the game. Basically everybody scapegoated him. Uh, he had seven catches tonight, 210 yards and a touchdown. Again, some of that is due to the uh, West Virginia defense, but he, he looked good and he was making nice, nice catches tonight uh, as, as well. So I just wanted to make sure I gave him a, an extra shout out, um, you know, so Pranay, anything else uh, stri- strike your mind? Um, you mentioned we're still, you know, Baylor's still winless in Morgantown. Uh, so anything about that strike, <laughs> strike a, a chord with you or, or uh, you just want to look to, you know, the, the second half of the season? No, nah, I think I'm ready to look towards the the second half of the season. Next game is homecoming against Kansas, who is a very good team. And at this rate, Baylor might be underdogs in that game. We'll have to see. Um, Kansas has a very good running attack. And Baylor's run defense got scorched today. 22 carries for Tony Mathis, 169 yards, which is a 7.7 yards per carry average, along with two touchdowns. He just bulldozed through Baylor's defense. And if they shore something up on defense, it would probably be best to shore up the run defense because Kansas has a flurry of backs in that backfield. Devin Neal, along with two transfers that came in this offseason, so that will be something to watch for in that homecoming game against Kansas. But hopefully, hopefully Baylor's defense can step it up. And of course, fingers crossed that Blake Shapin is able to come back for that game sooner rather than later. That's all we've got for you today, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And sick of bears. <laughs> <laughs>